I'm health coach Heather, and you are listening to episode 199, Overmedicated. listening to the Nourished Connections podcast hosted by health coach Heather, master health coach and wellness educator specializing in family health. This show is about raising a strong, healthy, resilient family with confidence and courage in a confused world. So hang out with me each week to learn practical coaching tips, parenting advice, nutrition and exercise suggestions, and stress reducers to apply to your mental and physical well-being. All right, welcome back to the Nourished Connections podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, health coach Heather or Heather Mitchell, and I am here to teach you a little bit more about health and wellness, mental health for your family, and just hope that you guys live your optimally best lives ever with optimal health. Okay, so today the topic is going to be over-medicated. Before we get into that topic, I want to just go over Halloween with you guys and how that went down. Halloween this year was a super fun Halloween. I'm in a new neighborhood now and we get a lot of trick-or-treaters here. So I think I went through about three Costco-sized bags of candy. And I can't say for sure if kids were dumping a lot of that candy or taking handfuls of it because I was out trick-or-treating with my daughter. And this year I actually was um, invited to a work party, costume party. I don't typically dress up, but I did this year. I created a UFO that hovered above my head and I was dressed as a cow. So I was, it was a cow being abducted. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a cow being abducted by a UFO. And I thought this was the perfect year for it with all the alien watch adventures I go on. And my parents moving near Skinwalker Ranch and just all the fun things in the news about aliens. I thought this was the year I was going to do something interesting and fun. So I did. I had this big UFO and it was hovering over my head. And uh, I was this cow costume. That was my daughter's last year. It fit me. Yes. And I was being abducted. So it was just so much fun. And I got so much praise for that costume. A lot of adults were pulling me aside at houses and handing out candy bars to me saying I win first prize for this costume. So it was fun. It was fun. And I think a lot of people who got it and understood it really got it and really loved it. A lot of people were like, is it a cow taking a shower? Like, what is this thing above her head? Like they didn't understand what it was, but Nevertheless, I did post a video on my YouTube channel on how to make the costume. If you want to go see the full costume and how I made it, head over to Nourished Connections, my YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to the channel and never miss a single video that I post on recipes, coaching tips, health advice, and sometimes a fun DIY project like that costume. Okay, now on to the show. We need to talk about a problem that's been going on in our country for a very long time, and that is the overuse of medications and big pharma and how corrupt that whole system really is when you truly understand what's going on with it. 
But right now, as of today, we have about 66% of adults in America that are on prescription drugs. About 48 to 50% of those people are on more than one medication. But take a look at the number of kids who are on drugs. And these are psychotropic drugs. We have 6,155,852 children between the age of zero and 17 on a psychiatric drug right now. That is so sad. And did you know that 85,000 babies ages zero to one years old are on one of those? Why? Why are we drugging these kids? ADHD, ADHD drugs. We have 3,155,441 children in our country on ADHD drugs. So, and 310 are babies, zero to one years old. I know that sounds like a low number, but why would we even do that at all to babies? Antidepressants, zero to 17 years old, we have 2,154,118 children on antidepressants today. 7,811 of those are ages zero to one year old. So, Anti-anxiety drugs, 1,153,351 children are on anti-anxiety drugs. Mood stabilizers, about 800,000 children are on mood stabilizers. When are we going to wake up to what's going on here? I would really love to play for you a clip from The Daily Wire, the Matt Walsh podcast, because he talks common sense. He's a no-nonsense guy. And I want you to hear how he describes Big Pharma and what's going on. So I'm going to play a clip for you now, and you can listen to it and see what you think about this, okay? See if you agree or maybe you disagree. But the context behind what he's about to say is we have so many adults who were meth addicts, and they can't get their meth, so or they can't get their Adderall, so they go to meth, one or the other. Okay, so they're they're looking for more Adderall, and when they run out of Adderall, they take meth because they have focus issues and they need to focus. But we have this drug addiction problem here in the United States. So I'm going to go ahead and play this for you. Take a listen, and let's discuss afterwards. I mean, no, it's not we. Big Pharma has created a nation of drug addicts, and they've done it by convincing healthy people that they're sick and convincing parents that their healthy children are sick. And then prescribing stuff that will actually make them sick to cure the fake illness. And now we've got a bunch of meth addicts who think they need meth to cure them of being easily distracted. I mean, think about that. It's madness. I can't focus. Let me get some meth. Here's what everyone needs to understand. We are never going to be free from the clutches of big pharma as long as you take some weak sauce stance like, oh yeah, those disorders are overdiagnosed. ADHD is overdiagnosed. No, it's not overdiagnosed. For the same reason that, that I would never say that um, sightings of the tooth fairy are overreported. Okay. No, it's just it's just made up. Okay. It's manufactured. ADHD is a manufactured illness, just like so many other illnesses, especially psychiatric illnesses that Big Pharma has invented and then monetized. 
Oh, no, ADHD isn't made up. You don't understand. My, my seven-year-old son is always really distracted all the time. Oh, really? Your seven-year-old son? Your seven-year-old boy is high energy? Has trouble focusing? You mean like every other seven-year-old who's, who's ever lived? And oh, wait, your kid is distracted while living in a world surrounded by screens and noise and lights and sounds and images all the time. So he's distracted while being totally surrounded by distractions. Okay, let's pause there a second and talk about that. How many things have doctors or who's ever in charge of diagnosing something or giving somebody a diagnosis, how many of those things are actually not a diagnosis, but a result of our environment or what's going on in the stimuli, and it's not a real thing? So he's suggesting here that ADHD is not a real thing. What do you think? Is this something we've made up? I kind of think it's true. We we put these labels on our children. They're around so many electronic devices, so much stimuli, and then we expect them to go sit in a classroom for six to eight hours a day and behave and sit still. I mean, when are we going to wake up to common sense and really see what's going on in our country with all these medications we're prescribing our children and we're even giving to our own bodies? Let's continue the conversation. Same for you. You might say, no, me, I have ADHD. I, and I know that I have ADHD because, because I'm so distracted all the time. Of course, I could ask you, like, what's your control group, right? You know how your brain functions? How do you know that it's not supposed to function that way? Well, I know my brain, I have difficult. My brain functions this way. I know that it's not supposed to function that way. Based on what? Have you ever been inside of anyone else's mind? How do you know that this is not how minds just work? Right? I mean, that's a very basic question, but it's something to think about. If you look around and you and you uh, respond, especially to modern society, by being very distracted, unable to focus, and you and you declare that, well, it must mean that you have ADHD. Well, how do you know? But you don't know anyone else's mind. You haven't lived inside anyone else's body or experienced their own their mental states or their inner life. So you have no idea whether your way of responding uh, to the outside world is is normal or not. You don't know. Oh, he makes a really good point here. How do we know what's normal anymore? Is the human brain just supposed to be calm all the time? I mean, in reality, that feels good. But also, we're humans having the human experience. Is it not okay for us to be distracted? What's wrong with being distracted? Is it a problem for you? If you want to focus better, my best advice to you is to truly look at all the stimuli coming into your life right now. How many tabs do you have open on your computer? How many things are you always looking at and needing to do? Can you sit still? Can you retrain your brain to be calm and sit still? Doing meditation, doing some tapping, some EFT tapping. And is it okay that you are distracted? I personally think it's okay. We just label these things. We tell our doctors and we're put on prescriptions and we want to focus better. So we take it. When there's so many other ways we can work naturally with the body to get the body to focus better. If we want to focus better and pay attention better to things, we do not need to be medicated and certainly not over medicated for a lot of things that are actually just normal parts 
of development, growing older, the brain, what's going on around us. It's normal. What if you're normal? What if there's no problems? Let's continue the conversation. I got news for you. The psychiatrists and counselors and therapists you go to, they don't know either. Okay. They're not experts in the human condition. They're not, they're, these are not gods. Okay. They're not living inside anyone else's mind either. They, they, they have just come up with an arbitrary idea of how minds are supposed to work and how people are supposed to behave. And, and that's the standard that they're holding you against. And then they drug you like they have their standard that they've made up and then they give you drugs to bring you up to that level. It's worth asking, like, how do you know? So you go to a therapist and you say, here's how I am. Here's how I function. And they say, well, you're not supposed to function that way. Like, how do you know that? Who told you that? And especially with something like this, right? Now, again, I mean, there are, there are obvious cases. Somebody's hearing voices, having hallucinations. Like, clearly, that is not normal. It's not supposed to be that way. But if it's something like, I have trouble focusing, I'm distracted, well, yeah, everybody. That's true of everybody. Yeah, but for me, it's extra. It's like more than normal. So this is a totally normal, like hearing voices and hallucinating, that's not normal at, in any degree at all. If you do that at all, then it's not, there's a problem. But being distracted, not being able to focus, that is totally normal. Everybody in the world struggles with it. But what we're being told is that it's normal, but if it like, but there's a baseline. And if you go a little bit above the baseline, now it's a mental illness. It's not just a variation of personality. Right, it's a mental illness. You don't you don't have to think about that very long to realize how ridiculous it is and how arbitrary it is and how just impossible to quantify it is. So we we can continue uh, with this strategy with creating a nation of meth addicts, um, or we can consider that maybe this is all made up. Okay, like maybe big pharma. And psychiatric industry, they are making up illnesses. And why would they do it? Because they make billions of dollars off of it. It's not, this is not a far-fetched, far-flung conspiracy theory. Maybe a conspiracy theory, but it's, it's, you don't have to speculate about what the motivations would be. We have people in these positions who, if there's some new mental illness that comes along, that means billions of dollars for them. And so are they motivated to come up with these mental illnesses and diagnose them? Uh, hell yeah, they are. So what's, your, what's our response to that? Well, that's, they would never do that. That's, the big pharma would never do that. Come on. Well, not only would they do it, we know they do it. Many people are victims of it. Like many people who are otherwise very skeptical of big pharma, you know, sort of are theoretically skeptical of big pharma have themselves fallen victim to this and they don't realize how it, how it applies to them and their own kids. So how many diseases are even made up? I don't know, but he makes a good point there when he's saying, if you're hearing voices and, and something's not right in your brain that way, yeah, it's not right. Go seek out some help. But if it's something like focus or distraction, you're normal. Our kids are so much more normal. Anxiety, stress, we all have that. You're normal. Now the question is, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to band-aid it with some drugs? And that's what a lot of people will do. 
Or do you want to like get to the root cause of the problem and fix the problem? That's what I say we do. Let's figure out the root cause of the problem. Let's go there first. The best way I know how to do that is through a daily meditation, some journaling, drinking half your body weight in ounces of water, eating a balanced diet. But you don't want to do that. You would rather go through the drive through eat a bunch of seed oils that are, that are in your food that are causing more inflammation in your body and in your brain. Coffee, alcohol, all of these things cause more anxiety within the body, energy drinks. You take them when you're feeling anxious. Now you're more now you're going to feel more anxious. More jittery. Why do we do this to our body? We do it because we want that hit of dopamine, that feel good hormone to kind of come in and relax us for a second. But in the end it doesn't help us do anything else but feel more anxious. So this is a problem my friends. We are a country who is over medicated. We overconsume, we overspend, we overindulge, and we overmedicate. And now we're doing it to our children. Any little thing that's off with our children, we go ask a therapist, we go ask a psychiatrist, we go ask a doctor. Whatever they suggest, we take it at face value and we do it. We do whatever they say. They give us prescriptions, we go fill those prescriptions, we give them to our kids. Our job as a parent is to advocate for our kids, to understand what these drugs do to the body, what the side effects could be. Weigh it out, really, really weigh it out and try to figure out what's normal and what's not normal. And that's the only way we're going to really go up against big pharma because they're always winning if we're always taking drugs. You know, I have a friend She's a very, very dear friend. She is in her 80s. Yeah, I do have friends that are in their 80s and 90s, whatever. But this friend of mine, I see her probably once a week. She has not been to a doctor since 1981. Her and her husband, or 1980 or something. They are their own doctor. And I sat with her and I said, okay, well, how many... How many medications are you on? She said she's on zero medications. And I'm like, well, I mean, what are you doing to stay healthy? And she said, well, we go dancing a few times a week together. Uh, she eats a balanced diet, a healthy diet. She drinks collodial silver water. They make their own collodial silver. And no, her skin is not blue. But she really claims that just some good supplements like that has kept her sharp. She's not even showing signs of dementia, nothing like that. She's sharp as a tack. And she's fun and she's got energy. And she's healthy, a healthy body. And she hasn't been to a doctor since 1980. And I said, geez, I really want to be like you. But what if you have cancer and you don't know it? You know what she said to me? Why do I need to know if I have cancer? That's interesting. Why wouldn't you want to know if you have cancer? She said, well, I don't need to, I don't need to know if I have cancer. She said that knowing you have cancer will cause you to think about the cancer more, which will produce more cancer in your body. Now, how true could that be? 
with all the research around neuroscience and how our thoughts create our experience in the world and can also create disease and also heal the body. If you're always thinking about cancer, what will your body start to develop? Cancer. She said, I'm just going to live in peace with my life, no matter what, and take care of my body. It's one way to live. I'm not saying it is the way to live. It's the way I want to live. It's not the way everyone's going to want to live. A lot of people want to do their checkups and go do their pap smears and their mammograms and their colonoscopies. Her and her husband have done nothing like that. And they are the healthiest people I've ever seen. And you ask her about mammograms, you know what she says? Mammograms cause cancer. Yes, indeed. There's an argument for that one too. I don't know if it's true. I don't, I don't understand everything. But I do know that the body was designed to heal itself by itself if given the right conditions. And as we figure out what those right conditions are for us, and we have faith in God, and we trust our bodies to take care of themselves, ourselves, as we age, and we're doing the correct things, we're exercising daily, and getting into those healthy habits every single day. And I think managing stress is a big one. Being able to really not hold on to trauma or hang on to grudges, not be judgmental, and, and also to be forgiving quickly because you don't want those feelings to fester and har harbor up in your body because those actually are what I'm finding, and a lot of people are finding now through science too, those trapped emotions are what are causing disease because it causes a lot of stress in your body. And you carry that for years and years and years. And so someone might tell me, well, so-and-so died of cancer and they were perfectly healthy. Well, were they? What kind of stress did they have in their life? Was their immune system down for some reason? What was going on for them? What was their diet like? Like truly, what was it like? In their mind, we can't go into somebody's brain. So we don't really know what they're thinking, but we know that their thoughts create a feeling in the body and can produce the stress hormones. So when you look at, take a look at their business and how they did their work, were they stressed out? Or they, you know, even if you're exposed to toxic things, I do believe that the body is capable of detoxing and getting rid of it. And I don't, I don't want to claim that it can be through meditation, but I do think that meditation and clearing the energy in your body and just really learning how to relax your body and relax your mind and not let things get to you, not be triggered by so many things. That's the best way to live when you can be flexible and forgiving and loving and kind, mostly to yourself. And then you give that to other people. So we have to do something about this over-medicated population within the United States. Are you part of those numbers? Are you on medications? And if you are on medications, what can you do right now to take care of your body to start weaning off the medication? Because sometimes you're on the medication, you can't go off cold turkey because your body's so dependent on it that it could cause some serious reactions in your body. But as you begin to take care of your body and you see some great changes in your body, 
I, I have seen a lot of my clients be able to wean, wean themselves off. Just like weaning yourself off coffee. You try to go off cold turkey, well, what happens? You get headaches. That doesn't feel good. Because that adenosine, those levels go right back up. And your brain has created those receptor sites to grab adenosine when it went down because you were drinking coffee. And now those receptor sites get flooded and you've got headaches from Hades. And then you say, this isn't worth it. I'm just going to drink my coffee. Then you're back on your coffee. But if you were drinking three cups of coffee a day, I'd probably tell you, hey, go to three half cups a day for a couple days. And after that, go to three quarter cups a day. And after that, three eighth cups a day. And start to wean yourself down to the point where you no longer are dependent and need coffee. The last thing you want to be is someone who has to have anything to keep them going, whether it's caffeine or whether it's a drug. We put so much dependency in drugs that we're scared to come off of them or wean off them because we have all these doctors that are going to pretty much tell us we're going to die. But I want you to just always ask yourself, because you're your best doctor. What is true? What is right for my body? What do I need to do to take care of this body? And don't be stupid. I'm not telling you to go off your drugs. I'm saying, let's look at how many medications you're on. What are the side effects of those medications? What are they doing for you and to you? And how do we, we begin to get confident enough to wean ourselves off of the drugs? And then you're not part of that statistic anymore. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. We then need to ask this question. These people in our country and all over the world who end up doing horrific things like school shootings or going into the bowling alley and shooting a bunch of people or in the movie theater, wherever they're shooting people in public, um, what kind of drugs, if any, psychiatric, are they on? I think this is a fair question to ask. And are these drugs causing a person to become more violent? Because we know they have side effects of suicidal thoughts and all kinds of crazy behavior that can happen when you're taking these kinds of drugs. So it's a fair question to ask what kind of psychiatric drugs people are on and are they contributing or adding to the violence of this person and their mental health? Interesting. Interesting to think about, isn't it? The BBC aired a report on some some people that were taking these types of drugs. And let's just hear from one of these people on what the, what the situation was like for them when they were on these drugs. Here we go. I was an absolute mess, wanting to take my life, like, continually. I got, I read the leaflet and I was getting exactly what it said. You know, I was getting kind of seizure-like symptoms where um, my muscles were kind of jolting around of their own accord. And I felt disorientated and sick and had digestive problems and infections. And, and it's really, really extreme. One in four people become more anxious rather than less. 
and they can become extraordinarily anxious so that some people become very agitated and some go on from that to become suicidal. Okay, so roughly a quarter of people taking these drugs, according to that report, are actually experiencing increased agitation, such as that the drug failed to solve their problem, the drug actively made their problem worse. Now, none of this is really a revelation. If you look at the labels on these drugs, you'll often find that drug companies come right out and admit it. So here's the label of Prozac, word for word. Quote, all patients being treated with antidepressants for any indication should be um, monitored appropriately and observed closely for clinical worsening, suicidality, and unusual changes in behavior. The following symptoms, anxiety, agitation, panic attacks, insomnia, irritability, hostility, aggressiveness, impulsivity, and mania have been reported in adult and pediatric patients being treated with antidepressants for major depressive disorder, as well as for other indications. The label goes on to say that no causal link has been established between these symptoms and the drug, but it obviously doesn't rule it out. That's why they put it on the label. Okay, and if you look at recent mass shootings going, going back for the past few decades, you begin to see why they put it on the label. Antidepressants, as well as other psychoactive drugs, have been a common denominator in many of these killings. So what do we do, you guys? What do we say to this? When are we going to wake up as a, as a society and decide, I'm not going to medicate myself anymore. I'm just going to treat my mental health with what I know I can do. Exercise. Eat a healthy, balanced diet with no seed oils in your diet. Take those inflammatory oils out of your diet. Don't touch anything with a 10-foot pole that has seed oils in it. The dyes in foods. Get them out. These are all very inflammatory to the brain. And it's something you have control over. You have so much control over what you put in your mouth. Because that's going to manifest in the brain and in the body. It's going to work either for you or against you, depending on what you're putting in your body. Don't put anything toxic. That could be a neurotoxin to your body. This is alcohol. This is drugs, illegal drugs. All drugs to me. Um, mercury getting mercury out of your body. This would include the jabs then, right? Because that is a toxin going directly into your body. You may disagree with that, but go do the research on what it does to the myelin sheath, how it can break through, cause all kinds of problems. It has for many people. A problem is created in our society and then a drug is introduced. Don't you think that's interesting? That pharma and whoever else will give us the cure to something that's been made up. They just happen to come along like a knight in shining armor. Now, I'm not saying that drugs haven't helped people in times that they've needed to be helped. But I want you to understand that your body was designed to heal itself by itself if given the right conditions. Don't try to tell me your genetics. Are pulling are doing everything for you. It's not, it's genetics that loads the gun, but it's lifestyle that pulls the trigger. It's your lifestyle. And I bet if I were to really come into your life and follow you around for a day, I would probably find that you don't meditate, you don't sleep your seven to nine hours, you're not drinking enough water, you don't meditate daily, you don't stretch or take care of your body properly. I bet I would find all of these things. And you don't need to feel bad about that. Just pick one area and start working on it to becoming better, a better person for yourself, for your brain. Do it for your brain. 
because the community that you live in needs your mental health. We need you at your top, at your peak. We need you to be at, at your job, at your work, without your mental health getting in the way. We need you to be more self-reliant, able to get yourself to and from places and do things on your own and be self-reliant and make your own money. Get to where you need to be. Self-reliance. And it's going to come from good mental health. So you're going to have to decide if that party on the weekend with all that alcohol is more important than your mental health. And to me, it never has been. So I don't go, I don't go to parties. I don't go do that stuff. I'm rarely around that kind of stuff at all. Because it's not my jam. It's not my environment. I'm trying to keep my brain and my body in a good energy all the time. Because I need it. I need my mental health. It's it's all I got for my family. It's all I got for my work people. I've got to I've got to be on my game. And, you know, as I take care of my body. Hopefully, as I age, I don't start developing Alzheimer's or dementia. There's some memory loss here and there that comes and goes. But hopefully, it doesn't turn into some dementia or Alzheimer's issues. So taking care of your body and your brain is is number one, my friends. Number one. So I'm going to leave you with that today. If you take anything away, I hope you just take away that we have a country that's over-medicated. Do you want to be part of those statistics or do you want to jump on this other side of health, mental and physically? And if you're considering medicating your kids, I would say really stop and think twice about that. Really, really think that one over. What is an actual disease and what is a made up disease? Because like Matt Walsh said, how do therapists know what's right and what's not? Who told them? What makes that person right? That person cannot get into the human brain and know that every brain should look that way. Distraction, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, feeling sad or down. These are all just conditions from living the human experience. And you can get out of those things naturally anytime you want. I know that for a fact. I've seen a lot of people. I don't want to say millions, at least thousands. I've seen thousands of people do it. And I've worked with hundreds who have. So I can tell you firsthand, it is possible for for you because I've seen it happen. I'm going to leave you with that today. Go out there, take care of your body. Reconsider medications you're on. And if you really want to be on them for the long term. And how to wean yourself off. How to get yourself mentally and physically to your healthiest place ever. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Nourish Connections podcast. If you want to head over to healthcoachheather.com, check out all my coaching and programs for your children, for your family, to get you guys mentally and physically where you want to be in 2023 and this upcoming year, 2024. I would be honored to be your coach. That's healthcoachheather.com.